sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Uh, Griff here, uh, here for another uh, thrilling uh, episode of the Beer Engine podcast. Um, let me bring in my co-host, um, among many other jobs and responsibilities he's had over the years, whether it be from podcasting um, with other people that are kind of like me, or um, in the beer world uh, as a, um, I believe it was, you were the, I think you were like the rare beer buyer for Chuck E. Cheese. Am I getting that right, Tony? That is correct. Um, I did it remotely, yeah. but um, I just went off their pizza descriptions to match the beers with the cheese. And so rare beer buyer for Chuck E. Cheese. So what was the rarest beer you guys were toting around there? Probably Foster's. <laughs> I would say but, Foster's. Well, it's rare for you, I guess, isn't it? Uh, but not the Australian Foster's, the Canadian Foster's. Exactly oh, yeah, the same it. branding from the same brewery. Tastes exactly the same, but... Brewed in Canada. I heard you had a, I, I, I see my understanding was you had a 96 candy on Fado, but uh, I guess I was off off base. Foster's it is. That that was a different role for a different restaurant. It um, involved a basement <laughs> and machine guns. That's all I can say at this stage. So the uh, where, where did you guys keep all these nice beers? Was it somewhere, I mean, were you guys around the animatronics or, um, but, you know, the guy, the little bird comes out of the barrel. Was it in there somewhere or what? Look, it's a, it's a workplace health and safety thing. To keep the animatronics upright, we need to weigh those suckers down. So we tended to put them in, in the um, lower portion of the animatronics to keep the centre of gravity at bay um, and keep the accidents down. Because nobody buys fucking Fosters, even when you've got screaming kids around you. Well, I I don't know. I wonder if they have you... Maybe they have a, a, a Chuck E. Cheese now in... Um you know, one of those Iraqi uh, like places where they have McDonald's or whatever now, or whatever the soldiers are going to McDonald's. I don't know. Just talking about my old um, business, um, do oh, you yeah, think the animatronics thing will go away at any stage for places like Chuck E. Cheese, or do you think that's part of the charm? Well, I would say if I had to use the current environment um, as any reference, which, of course, we all should be doing, uh, Chuck E. Cheese will become... Uh, totally uh, um, broadcast over the Vive, is that how you say it? Um, so kids will put those little fucking headsets on and they will walk around and a big virtual rat will sing happy birthday um, to them and they'll all just kind of crash into the wall for a while. Um, that's my that's my vision of the Chuck E. Cheese future. I don't know. Um, that, I think that's about the only way we can do it safely anymore. Yeah, and I... I've- see the pizzas being delivered the same way they were in Back to the Future. Oh, yeah, exactly. Of course, yeah. Um, and did you know, speaking of pizzas getting delivered, I've I've left, I'm sure that I'm the one millionth person to say this on a podcast, but uh, you can get Chuck E. Cheese delivered um, if you wanted to enjoy Chuck E. Cheese pizza but not enjoy the scenery. Um, Boy, that sounded creepy the way I said that. Um, <laughs> that and, really or was the, creepy. Whatever the fucking ball pit or play games or whatever, or not have your kids around. I mean, you could be a grown up and you could order a Chuck E. Cheese pizza, and some DoorDash guy making thirty cents an hour would be, would deliver it to your house. Now, I've as as you're aware, I was the remote buyer. I was based in Australia. For, of course, yep. 
pull this role. And you were only buying for the uh, uh, <laughs> Middle East, Asia, and uh, Australia, I believe. Is that correct? <laughs> no, it was a worldwide role. But oh, okay, sorry, I got it, got it mixed up. I've never had the pizza. As I said, I had to go off the descriptors um, based on their menus. How would you explain Chuck E. Cheese pizza to me? And is it worth getting a DoorDash guy to risk his life to deliver pizza to me? Boy, I you know, it's it's honestly, I mean, the U.S., and I'm sure Australia has this problem too because you guys, I mean, honestly, for as different as it probably is, it's, it's, not, it's weirdly not that different in my mind. Australia isn't than the U.S. I say they're about 5% different. That 5% yeah. is fun, but it's it's not a, a huge cultural shift. There's the the there's a lot of bad pizza trolling around the US. Uh, Plenty of bad pizza. And I would Australia. presume you've got a lot of that problem, yeah. Yep. Uh, so Chuck E. Cheese I think firmly is not the worst pizza you can get. Um it is one of the worst and it's not something that you would I mean, with 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 the how many Domino's and Papa John's there are, you are almost definitely Unless you live next to Chuck E. Cheese, you are almost certainly closer to any other type of pizza place. And it is better, right? Domino's is better than Chuck E. Cheese. I know that's that's already a shot at Chuck E. Cheese, but Domino's is better. Papa John's is definitely better. Um, you know, racist, uh, whatever, Papa John schnatter uh, aside. Um, uh, I would say it's, for, it's in the Little Caesars realm of pizza. Um, sort of a, you know... Uh, the the problem is is that you can get Little Caesars for like five dollars, and you can't. I don't think you can get Chuck E. Cheese delivered for five dollars. I think that's kind of the the big problem with Chuck E. Cheese pizza. The the one problem. I mean, of course, <laughs> there are many by the sounds of it. Yeah, not the not, not the the food itself. I'm sure it's fine. Um, CC's I think is is the worst pizza. I don't. I don't. Somebody's gonna get mad because you can eat it. It's unlimited pizza buffet at CC's, but uh, it is extremely nasty pizza. That's that's much worse than Chuck E. Cheese. What, in your view, makes a bad pizza? Is it the toppings? Is it the crust? Like, I know everything can be bad, but if you point to, I'm not going to eat that shit because of it's the, it's honestly the cheese to me, and this oh. is something that actually oh yeah, um, this is something that we can get into a little bit. So, uh, and people are loving this. Uh, we're going to talk about some cheese. Um, yeah, the the gooey like not cooked right feels like it's been melted a second or third time cheese you know what i mean that has this like sort of gummy texture um that's that's a hallmark of like really shit pizza for me um when i think about like the worst pizzas i've ever eaten um and in college i felt like i discovered that quite a bit um is is just like this weird looking sort of white off white non-crusted she, oh, just awful, you know, like a pot pie texture, really bad. Um, but, uh, you know, to that end, I will say that uh, I have been entering what I think is sort of the American like mass food culture again, based on this sort of like, uh, I guess, isolation period. Um, and I, I have been reintroduced to questionable cheese product um, as part of my normal life again. Uh, something I hadn't really thought about in a long time, but it is, that is one of my least favorite food in general is just like nasty fake cheese. And that's sort of the, the hallmark of bad pizza to me. See, I love fake cheese. You know, my, my love, I've professed it many times for, for 
um, fake cheese and, and nachos. Oh, I don't mind nacho cheese. I think that's a different. It, it's fake cheese that that has that bears resemblance to real cheese. I mean, that's the problem, right? It's okay, not that yep. nacho cheese is so far from being a cheese that it's just a sauce, right? It's just, yeah, it's it just is liquid. Cheese sauce. Um, fake pizza cheese. I don't know. You you've never you've never experienced the Provel cheese. We no. you know if you go back you know years, and I know our fans are digging through the archives of Table for Eight to prove to me what I said, maybe about Provel cheese or something. Um, don't do it, <laughs> but Provel cheese is an example of just like an all time fake shit cheese. And it, it melts so weird and gets like a skin on it when it melts, but is like liquidy in the middle and is really, really bizarre. Um, St. Louis, St. Louisans, St. Louisans, they love that shit, but, uh, not me and American cheese, same thing. It's just too gummy for me. Um, and then a lot of this bad mozzarella just has this weird texture to me that freaks me out, Tony. I don't like it. Um, so that's sort of the, I can get over the crust crust. If it's just like, you know, if it's ready, you know, I can deal with it, but the weird cheese just really weirds me out. See, I'm an ass man when it comes to pizza. Do not like (laughs) a soggy, soggy crust. Um, I can deal with overly thin and crispy crusts. They're not my favorite, but my base has got to be decent it's got to be edible domino's classic base is perfectly acceptable that might upset some people it's not outstanding it's not i mind it yeah yeah domino's it's pizza hut or... yeah they're, they're perfectly fine examples i'm not a huge fan of the um the the pan fried the the deeper one not like a chicago style but you know the deep dish style crusts um, because in australia yeah there's a difference between like the pan pizza and the deep dish i mean that's... there is yeah different universe yeah um one one thing i will so uh i will recommend as a chain pizza thing to folks is um jets if you haven't had jets i'm sure you haven't tony you and you can't but uh it's like a it's detroit style um which has this very crispy like outer square crust and caramelized almost uh, but it's sort of a pan shaped pizza but the, the the crust isn't too doughy or anything so I like it. It's it's pretty good. And that that's my issue. That's where crusts go bad is when they get into that doughy territory. And many of the um, cheaper independent chains here in Australia definitely fall into the doughy category. And that's the thing that, to me, signifies bad pizza. I can suffer lower quality toppings and I can suffer okay. um, plasticky ch- ch- cheese, but I cannot, mm-hmm. for the life of me, put up with a bad base. And especially and a weird sweet sauce isn't good either. I was about yeah, to say a like weird sweet sauce, ketchup sauce, and, sauce, yeah, or a bad barbecue sauce on like a barbecue mm. chicken pizza. <laughs> yeah, that ain't good. No. Um, well, Tony, I'm drinking a beer. Um, Would it pair nicely with a pizza? Sure. I don't. I. I, I honestly, beer and pizza. I, I'm sort of pretty. You know. I wouldn't drink like a coconut stout with my pizza, but I also wouldn't complain too much about that either. Um, no, but perfect for a, a lager. It's the official beer type of our podcast. It's a hazy IPA, um, and it has New Zealand hops. Tony, how mad does that make you? Are you angry? Not mad. At, well, it yes and no. If you can imagine, like New Zealand's kind of like our younger brother, so we can mm. shit on New Zealand all day, every day. That's what Australians do. But 
if somebody else was to shit on New Zealand, we would go for their throats because oh, yeah. we are very protective of them, but we will also shit on them in a heartbeat. I, I mentioned this to somebody, I forget, but I, I was talking because um, I had mentioned to you that if, if and when I come to Australia, I want to spend time in New Zealand. And I thought, and, and my perception of, of the way that other, you know, sort of, not that you're like a, a nationalist of any kind, but people from a country would talk about other countries near them as they, you are like, oh, fuck that, you know, whatever. But you were like, oh, yeah, no, you have to go to New Zealand. Absolutely. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, okay, got it. So this this beer was made with uh, hops from New Zealand, and I don't have the uh, can with me to tell me what it, what they were, but the beer is called Tamaki, and it's extremely nice. It's from a brewery called Riverlands. Is it made with tamaco? It's made with tamaco. No, it's a Nelson <laughs> Soven and Motuika and tamaco. Um, I love Motuika. Uh, but this is a very nice beer. It's very sharp, and and I don't know. This beer for for hazy IPA from Riverlands, which is a very popular hazy IPA brewery here, it actually is not rated particularly high, and I think it has to do with sort of the. I think Nelson Soven is sort of a particular hop that people. Um, it's divisive. Have strong opinions of yeah, divisive. That's a good way to put it. Where do you stand on it? I don't mind the cat piece Sauvignon Blanc thing that Nelson brings. Doesn't bug me. No, I like it. I like it. I like the dryness. Um, I like the bitterness in this beer. It's not sweet in any particular way and doesn't have that big, you know, a lot of our, our beers here have kind of developed this. Um, instead of being a New England IPA, they're sort of like the Midwest Coast IPA, I guess, <laughs> um, which is a lactose-heavy, hazy IPA. Um, this yep. one is not that. It does not have that big dairy bite to it. So nice and sharp, uh, drinks real easy, and I'm plowing through it and it's a tasty beer so is this more of a sipper that you can you can have more than three ounces or it- oh my god yeah i know i could have drank a whole can of this i split it with with my uh with my lovely wife who also enjoys this beer um but uh i could easily take down a can of this while we record the show of course so uh tony uh we we talked a little about pizza and weird cheese and i wanted to talk a little bit about um and uh, the way we've been eating in this uh, quarantine period, um, uh, things have been getting a little uh, weird around my house. We, we, we tend to do grocery delivery. Um, I was mentioning that I feel like I've re-entered the American food supply chain. Like I hadn't really wanted to participate in it. I was buying like very specific product, um, like high-end cheese or organic stuff or whatever. And now that availability has changed. I am just buying everything that everybody else is getting, um, which is fine. And none of it's bad. And I don't think it's bad to do. I do think the American food supply chain is probably not a great thing. Um, but you know, it's what we have for the moment. Uh, I do find that I'm eating just different foods that I had not eaten in a while. Um, I'm eating, I'm eating cheese and crackers, which I would be doing and snack plate type foods, but the cheese I'm eating, um, is maybe of a lower quality. In fact, I did describe one of them today. It was a brick of white cheddar from Aldi and it, uh, was a square flaccid penis in the way that it sort of like wobbled around. (laughs) Um, if you had, if you were a 3d pixel man and this is, and you're, you had a kind of a, like a chubby, like a (laughs) hardish cube rod, um, (laughs) it would be this cheese. So it was a little weird texturally um so tony 
I don't know if things, I mean, you, you are sort of a home body in the first place. You, um, you know, by nature, I, 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 are you eating or doing anything really differently than usual from a food standpoint or are, you know, since things are starting to round back into normal, are you just sort of, things were always the same and I wasn't doing that much different anyways. The, the diet has, well, not the diet, but the food intake has been some somewhat limited in you can't just go out and get X ingredients. So you have to mould um, recipes around the ingredients you got. So you tend to get a lot of the same flavour profiles that you are used to having. So there's a, sure. there's a bit more of that going on. The one thing I've done far less of, and tonight will be the first time we're actually taking advantage of delivery is eating out. Normally I would eat out once a week. I know you eat out more sure. regularly, but but you're working. You so um but since quarantine has happened, this will be the first time I will be taking advantage of delivery. So that's certainly a habit that's changed for me. Because of the area where I live, we're only a, a town of under five thousand people. Not every business is doing deliveries and even out of those selection, there's only a handful that you would want to order from in the first place. So that yeah. that has changed. We've got a little more delivery here. Um, I do it about once a week, a, a, a delivery thing. So I'll cook most of the week. Yep. Um, uh, but but once a week, we've been you know getting some. I, I've been I feel like I've had a lot of uh, itching to eat like a burger. You know, <laughs> I don't really want to make it. So dang it. Uh, this uh, yeah. I just don't – I don't think I'm very good at making them. Yeah. Do you think it's a difference in quality of ingredient in the two areas? Because I'm very lucky in where we live. We've got access to butchers independent from the supermarket um, who sources his own cattle locally from a local slaughterhouse and it's meat that would go for a premium in a restaurant. It's 100% grass-fed, not even a marketing point for him because that's just all he can <laughs> sure, get access right. to. Um, and so his mince is top quality mince. Um, you don't need to do anything to it. The texture is great and it makes a great burger. So well, so this is the problem here, right? So I live in the suburbs. Yep. And I was not a person who went to mega marts often, right? I um I was doing, you know, we do the we had done the meal kit thing, which I like because the product tends to be a pretty decent quality. Um, and then, uh, you know, when I did go to the supermarket, um, it was usually like a small local market that had sort of, um, you know, our, whether it be artisanal cheese, which I love, right. I sound like the biggest snot head in the world, but whatever. Um, they butcher their own meat, all that stuff. They're making their own sausage. They're all doing all that stuff. Um, that just delivers a higher product and you pay a higher price and you deal with it. Right. So you kind of have a different balance in the way you're what you're paying for with, with food in general. Right. Um, now that I have to do everything at home and I'm, I'm finding myself eating like just more stuff from the house. Uh, I've had to, you know, meat has just become something I'm not buying very much of anymore. Um, I'm just eating differently, uh, because a, I don't want to buy that much meat because the meat from our big supermarkets or mega marts is nasty. Yep. It's weird and it, I don't know where it's coming from and it's like it has just like weird amounts of fat or it's sized odd or I don't like the butchery's weird and um the animals are weird frankly. <laughs> um so I just am like I'm not wanting to participate in that. Um 
So I just have it. And that's actually been my other thing, right? I've, so I've been buying more cheese and buying more butter because I, you know, I snack on that stuff once in a while. I'm home more, but I'm, they're worse, right? Cause I'm not gonna, you know, I'm buying like the big four things of American butter. American butter is like not very good. It's water, you know? Yep. Um, a lot of our cheese is just a weird texture and you sort of just get used to it and you just put enough Triscuits around it that you don't care. But, um, it has been a little bit unusual. I mean, I sound like, again, I sound like a, a snob. I swear to God, I, you know, whatever. I, I guess I am, right? I don't swear. Fuck it. I am yeah, a snob. We are know? both snobs. I like nice cheese. I want yep. better cheese. Fucking oath. We, we should eat better cheese in the country. We don't need to eat this bad cheese. Um, it's what we have, though, right? This is what we get. Um, so I spoiled myself when I paid, whatever, six ninety nine to get a couple bricks of Kerrygold Reserve, which is, you know, Pretty good. I don't know. I've, I was happy with that purchase. So maybe I'm maybe I'm coming back around to having taste buds again. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been weird in the um, being like in the thick of you know just the the types of things. Um, you know, have you done any? Have you been doing? So this is probably not a problem you had to deal with. Uh, was there any sort of um, prepper level hoarding going on in oh, your household? Not in our household. Definitely at the supermarkets. So we like the rest of the developed world, I believe, unless this was a uniquely Australian thing, went through the toilet paper hoarding phase that was brought on by 1% to 2% of the population. At least that's my view, that it was brought on by a very small number of the population hoarding toilet paper. So we've just had restrictions eased in the past week over the purchasing of toilet paper. Does it amaze you how much more concerned with their ass people are than their lung? Like people are thinking yes. way more about their hole than their lungs. Like that's fucked up, isn't it? It is. And there's an easier solution. <laughs> like hop in the shower if you're out of toilet paper. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Just just you're you're at home. Yep. Just hose that thing out. You know, whatever. Um, you're not gonna get your lungs back. Take it from me as a person who's had his important organs worked on. You don't want to do that. Nope. That ain't good. <laughs> you don't want you don't want any of that shit. Um, if, if, if I have to pick, I mean, this is, this is sort of the problem with a lot of people, right? They, they, they over prioritize sort of unimportant things about themselves. So, you know, whatever I've seen, I've seen these ads for like, uh, have you seen this shit that like, uh, the pants that like protect you from radiation in the air? Like, I think I've seen them on, on YouTube, but they're not making the, um, local airtime. That's for sure on tv or anything i don't get that i mean if i'm protected if i needed to protect something from radiation why am i worried about my ass or my nuts (laughs) yes i use those those are break in case of emergency type of things (laughs) you know i'm like my nuts are coming out when you know whatever i'll figure out my nuts you know we can we can figure out what to do with those my brain i'm using it all the time to do stuff breathing in fact is part of brain my what my brain's up to sometimes you know Sometimes. Um, yeah, exactly. It's saying breathe in, do it. Um, but we are, we are just thinking about our ass and nuts all the goddamn time. We can't get out of them. Uh, it's fucked up. That's weird. And the toilet paper thing was weird to me that people are like threatening their or risking their lives to go buy toilet paper. I, I don't know. But it also went further here. We had shortages with flour and with pasta. They were the main. So oh, you are about to get fucking angry with me. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you this story. 
so I, I opened the door yesterday and there are usually, um, you know, uh, I, I do want to, uh, give a, uh, solidarity message out to the striking workers of Instacart and Amazon. And, uh, and I believe a couple others that are striking tomorrow. Um, I will not be doing this tomorrow. So, you know, judge me now that's fine, but I, I will not be breaking the picket line tomorrow. Um, anyways, often there are boxes on my porch from various places. Um, yesterday I opened the door. Uh, we got a, we got a, uh, you know, a food delivery of, a like the, the sun basket thing. And then I have this big, heavy box from Walmart and it is heavy, like heavier than usual, the type of thing we get. And I don't know what's coming from Walmart. There's somebody in this house who's just buying stuff from Walmart. <laughs> well, yes. it, uh, that only there's one other person. Yeah. Right. The cat. So, uh, I open the box and there are <laughs> two, two 10 pound bags of flour, 10 pound bags of flour <laughs> and, and six boxes of rotini, <laughs> six, six boxes of rotini. <laughs> and I'm just like, God damn, this is like a, we just subscribed to carbs. Like what the hell happened? Did your wife lose her mind? I don't know. I temporarily, I guess. I mean, she, so we have been baking more in this house and I want that to happen. I like eating the result of that. Right. So we, we often have a, you know, at this point there's a baked good just around all the time, you know, great. We had scones last week. They fucking rocked. So I get the, I get it. You know, she was able to get two 10 pound bags. Great. And they came to my house. I get it. Now the six boxes of pasta. I think I might have signed off on sort of in the way that I do. And you guys know, Tony, you know, and maybe the handful of people listening know how I am where I will just sort of say like, yeah, yeah, you know, cool. Tony, you know, this probably especially because you're often telling me things about our podcast that I need to do. And I'm like, "Uh you know, just sort of nodding my head. Um, It's just it's just it's just a it's a bad nature about me where I'm just like, yeah, cool, you know. And, and sort of, unless it's of like high importance, I sort of just say, I'll figure it out or somehow I'll figure it out or somebody else will figure it out. So I would guess that I was asked, um, oh, I think I can get six boxes of rotini. And I was like, eh, what? you know, and then the six boxes of rotini showed up and I looked in our pantry and I'm like, we have like 30 boxes of pasta. What am I doing? You know? So a little heavy on pasta in this house, flour product, I think. You know, you could argue that the two 10-pound bags of flour would have been able to make all the pasta in the world that I wanted. It um, would have, I'm sure. Alas, I uh, I do have much more. So I will be making tomato sauce this weekend if anyone's interested. I'll leave it on the porch for you. Um, but, yeah, no, we have entered. And I did, I did get a notification on my phone because I think we have the same account on our app that just said, like, shipping two, two bags of black beans. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> now, was this all done while the panic buying was going on or is the panic buying still going on in your area? I don't think this was done as a panic buy. I think, I think <laughs> not, not to give too much credit. It was that, well, I will say this, you, in Australia, you have a much clearer vision of your next, like, I wouldn't say it's clear, but you have some vision for your next, like what your next three months looks like, right? Or yeah, six it's months. Called, we'll say. called leadership. I might not always agree to with To some them. degree. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what will happen tomorrow uh, uh, here. And I couldn't tell you if, if I had to look in the future into say this time next year, 
I could with pretty low confidence have to tell you like, well, I guess we'll be able to go to a, go outside again. You know, I don't, I don't know that. I don't have any reason to believe that, frankly, you know, I want to believe that. Right. I would love to like, hell go to Copenhagen at the end of the year. Right. I have no reason to think we'll be able to do that. No, I, I can't. Frankly, see. I think thinking we can do it is probably a hope is probably too hopeful, <laughs> honestly. Um, but you've got to live but, in hope. Uh, you can't live in the, the world where you don't believe you're going to make it to Copenhagen. But I can't see a world where we'll have international travel opened up to a lot of these places um, anytime well, soon. I don't think, especially with the US, I think, I think, I don't know if anyone wants a part, any part of us right now, you know. No. Because Australia is looking to open up international travel, but it's with that other country that you spoke about earlier, and that is um, New Zealand. And we still haven't oh, sure, reached yeah. those metrics where either country is comfortable um, lifting those restrictions. So, Even domestic travel in Australia has stopped for non-essential purposes. So I would say the difference here is that, um, and the reason it makes a little sense is it, to get things when you can get them is because we don't really know, you know, um, there, something could happen in five days that says like, well, we just can't have grocery stores open anymore. Or something could happen in five days. that says we have to open all the grocery stores right now forever. You know, I don't know. (laughs) That's more likely. And it doesn't mean that your health situation has improved, but if Trump wants them open, he'll probably get them open. And that's the thing is the more stuff we do open, the scared, the more scared I am. Right. Because I'm looking at it and saying, okay, so that's more freaks everywhere at all times. Right. (laughs) Who might have or not have a disease. Um, And and with no testing or tracing or anything, uh, it's terrifying. So uh, on second thought. Right. It's probably good that I have a lot of this stuff. But at the same time, it was funny to go outside and open the box and see 20 pounds of flour and, you know, six pounds of rotini specifically rotini i will say that we're all the same shape which was probably the weirdest part to me but um and not even a pasta shape i have any particular feelings about it's fine it's just whatever what is your go-to shape if you had to pick one there are so many good question tony um you know i like the like uh if i'm if i'm eating fresh pasta i'm down with that popper dill like the the long flat noodle yeah egg noodle um if i'm eating the dried i i actually like a shaped pasta like a shorter shaped pasta i don't really so i'm i'm down with like a penne or a uh or a rotini is fine you know i don't really care uh penne rigatoni you know something that's of like more of a shape i guess than a noodle you know than a long noodle for me it's also sauce dependent if you uh, cavatelli, that's a good one, by the way. That's good dried. Yeah, yep. I like the cavatelli. If you're doing a tomato-based sauce, I'm right there with you with penne and the like. Um, but if I'm doing like clams in a white wine sauce, I want something like super fine, super fine noodle. Yeah, you want it spaghetti or something. Yeah, yeah, or even finer than spaghetti. Um, big fan of those, especially in the finest stuff. To actually go with dried pasta, fresh pasta has its place. And I was outspoken on table for eight. I've I've eased my stance there. I think fresh pasta does have a time and a place, but it is for the the bigger shapes that you're talking about. Um, that's where fresh pasta shines. But for really fine stuff, I'm a big fan of dried pasta. Well, and it's hard to. I mean, I, I'm just the the motor skill necessary 
you know, you watch people do the, these old Italian grandmas doing like the shaping of some of these pasta. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that ain't happening. A lot of pasta, a lot of flour bumming around my house, uh, have no shortage of food. So I'm lucky, you know, I know lots of people don't have it. So, uh, so good. So maybe I shouldn't be bragging about my, maybe I'll, you know, making a snowstorm out of flour in my house or anything. I know you said you have a bunch of baked goods always floating around your house. Do you have any plans for the 10 pounds of flour? Is there something specific you want to do? Do you want to make a sourdough starter? Or no, I think you... Kelly does. I'm not a big baker. You guys, uh, you, I think you know that. I'm not, I'm not the baking person. I'm just not good at it. I, I don't have the like science brain to do it very well. Um, I, don't know, I guess I'm not type A enough, I guess maybe. Um, but, uh, I think Kelly wants to get like a bread starter going. So joining the rest of the universe, that's all making bread. When do you think that craze dies out? Because everybody's making sourdough at the moment, or at least it seems like that. Oh yeah. Once restrictions start to ease, or even if they don't, how quickly does this die out? Because sourdough is something that you need to commit to. It's not something that you can do once every third or fourth day. You need to be feeding that yeah. that sucker every day. Um, I I can see this fad being over in a month. Oh, for sure. Yeah, people are people are lazy. I mean, look at us. Even I am. You know, I fuck up stuff all the time. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we've been able to record this many episodes of this podcast, I think, is a sort of already breaking a uh, breaking any sort of uh, bets we might have had against each other to hit the under of ten or whatever we probably said. Um, yeah, no, I, I I would say not likely, um, but maybe maybe we'll be surprised and we'll have a culture of bread making that will evolve out of the the this uh, this disease or whatever it is. I can't see it happening. I think a lot of people have got a lot of time that they won't have going forward. So Tony, uh, the other thing I've been buying a lot of is beer. Um, I think I mentioned that every single time we've talked. Um, can't stop buying the shit. Keeps coming to my house. Um, uh, today I got a bunch of cans of lager, um, uh, lager, uh, very popular again here. I don't know if you've seen that. It feels like you did. Cause you sent me a receipt that said you bought 24 cans of German Pilsner. Um, were you guys always in a lager boom or is it, is it new again? Are you guys sort of rediscovering lager in sort of the crafty world or is it, is it sort of a, um, it was that sort of permanent. Look, everybody starts with pale ale. I think every craft beer um, scene starts with that. I, I could be wrong, but that's where it seems to start everywhere in the world. It started in America that way, um, in England that way. But I think our next explosion was craft lager, craft pills, okay. because that's what people are familiar with drinking is macro lagers. So... That was a logical extension and also the climate. Um, Victoria and Tasmania being the two two coldest climates, I would say nine months out of the year, lager suits as a style. Um, so pa- places like Queensland and WA and Northern Territory, you can drink lager all year round and, and not have it be an odd choice. Well, you can do that in Victoria. People. People do that, but I mean to suit the actual seasons, lager is a perfect choice for for those environments. So I'd say craft lager was one of the first things to pop up. 
whether it be Pilsner or one of these other styles? It's interesting because IPA was really, um, I think people got away from, people, I mean, I drank lager all the way to college. I was pounding Keystone Light and hams and uh, Bush or whatever, yeah. Um, But they're so nasty. Those beers are so not good. Um, Is there something different about the, like, cheap, beer there that it's better or is it are, are people is is better lager more available in australia than it is here because I, I think what happened here was people drank bush they said well why would anyone want to replicate this in a craft version and they said fuck it i'm going to drink some you know too hearted or whatever no i wouldn't um i wouldn't uh, say that i would say our macro lagers are as bad as your okay. um, full full flavoured version. So we don't tend to have, well, we didn't tend to have, we do now, the light style of beer, like your Bud Lights, your Miller Lights, your Coors Lights. Um, we do now with a beer called oh, Great Northern. Terrible beer served in clear bottles. <laughs> like mm, clear bottles. That's the best kind, yeah. Yeah. Might as well serve them in fucking green bottles. Um, it's a terrible beer. Our beers don't have a lot of flavour, but they do taste less water-like than your light okay. beers. Um, our hop profile is slightly different because one of our major um, beers that we enjoy, uh, Victorian Bitter, has one of the old-style Australian hops in it that has sort of a a black currant note to it that's that's kind of rough around the edges, a very sort of rustic hop. And so our lager's not great, not full of flavour, not not a, a great craft, um, not craft by any means. And our craft styles tend to be a lot more um, malt-driven and with a lot okay. cleaner hop profile, more in your classic German pills kind of way and then people are starting to push with more interesting hop profiles to suit to suit those beers. Yeah, that, so when I was in, uh, when we were in Iceland, um, they're, they're like macro lager, quote unquote. I would say macro because it's a country with 300,000 people in it. I mean, how <laughs> macro is it going to get? But whatever, their, their most prolific lagers were, were really good. <laughs> um, really good. And I, I have blamed that, quote, I blamed it. I have accounted that to the water there. The water there is pristine, right? They're famous for that, right? The water is all, I mean, even their tap water, it's been filtered over one million years over lava or whatever. Yeah, but um, at the end of the day, shouldn't we be able to produce that in a factory these days? Like, with our filtering techniques? Theoretically. I... I'm kind of a believer in that for certain things like bagels and stuff out of New York. New York water is different, but for beer, it's being boiled. Uh, it's being affected by yeast and hops and other things. You might be right. Those beers tasted so good and so like maybe it's just the freshness, the availability. You know, it could have been a million things, but they were super clean and and crisp. Um you're probably right. They didn't have a sulfuric taste of lava or anything like that. I mean, uh, but um, their macro beer was so good. And again, macro being, you know, it's a it's a tiny country. But uh, 
you could get goal anywhere and it was very yummy. Um, and then they had, a uh, Brio, which was probably my favorite beer I drank last year. Just the snappiest Italian style pills. Ah, that was good. And I'm chasing that dragon here at home and haven't had a lot of success yet, but there've been some good ones. Um, I just loaded up my, this, this, this month for my, uh, delivery crate, I just bought like six different Pilsners. So, I'll be getting a lot of different uh, loggers uh, to my house. Well, what separates we- like a macro bad lager? I won't call it a macro American lager because I think that macro bad lager exists everywhere in the world, whether it be in England sure. with with some of their brands, oh, yeah, of course, certainly yeah. in Australia, Canada, and Europe. Carling, for example, all pretty terrible beers. What's because it's not like IPAs where you you've You've got these big, bold flavours. What in your mind separates, like, swill that we drank growing up because it was cheap and available to stuff that we're now paying a premium for? Because it's fairly subtle in my view. It's the – well, to me, it's part of – partially it's the bill, the grain bill. Um, yep. I think – I agree. I don't mind corn in the bill, but if you get the cream corn taste, I'm out. Um, not but, a big fan of that. But that cream, this is going back to my experience as a home brewer. And again, I'm a home brewer, not a professional brewer. But my understanding is that cream corn taste has nothing to do with adding uh, flaked corn or, or corn in the mash. That is a flaw of the fermentation process. And it could be a, even a flaw within the brewing process. Um, and there are some really bad US examples with that creamed corn. I won't mention names, but there are certainly some that are worse than others. And there's um, there's also the the synthetic flavor that I couldn't necessarily put my finger on, but they're especially light beers like Bud Light have this have a distinct synthetic taste. Yep. That I don't know what adjunct or additive is producing that. If it's overcooked, if it's like cooked down rice, if it's uh, you know, some other sugar substitute type thing. But they have this um, this plastic flavor that um, really really grates on me, um, and it's distinct to me. Like I've never tasted that flavor in a even a even a not very good craft lager has different flaws than that plastic taste that Bud Light or Bush Light pump out. Um, there's nothing quite like that flavor that I can that I can even measure. But that's the most grating part of part of a and most detectable part of a shit. Yep. So macro beer. For me, with the macro beers, it, it, I think it's the cost rules every facet of macro lager. They're brewing to a standard and brewing to a price tag at the same time. So often these things are not using quality ingredients. They are not using brewing methods that are conducive to producing good beer because I don't think a lot of people know that, that Barty's uh, brewed to six or seven percent alcohol and is then thinned with water at close to the time of bottling and that's to cut down on space and and for a number of other reasons consistency and yeah and that doesn't always lead to to great beer using those kind right. of techniques not to say those techniques aren't used in a craft environment i'm sure some of the craft lager is but when i'm getting like a a Pivo Pils, which I think is an example that you and I have both had 
Oh, the Firestone. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. It's been brewed to a standard first and then, right. then price comes second. It's not trying to hit both of those targets or price first. And that, that That's is a good point. Yeah. I mean, I've there's a brewery here that makes a Miller High Life type clone they're trying to produce called Chug Life. And uh <laughs> people are always like, Why does it cost ten ninety nine a four pack? I mean, but I'm like that I mean they made the beer they want to make and that's what it costs. I mean, that's, I don't know. You can, the problem is they keep making it. So somebody's buying it. That's what I would say. <laughs> Have you tried it? Doesn't seem to be a problem. It's delicious. Yeah. It's very good. I like, I don't mind Miller high life. It's not, it's certainly not the most, um, uh, uh, um, I would say, uh, bad tasting, I guess is the best way I can come up with. <laughs> um, it's not the, it's not the most, uh, uh, painful to drink of, of the macros to me. I, I like it. I don't, I mean, like it in air quotes. I think it's just clean tasting and fizzy and cold. Yep. Now, can you, this is something that I couldn't distinguish in America. Maybe I'm too inexperienced with the macro beer market, but can you taste the difference between the three major brands in the U.S.? Yes. Um, okay. What's your third major brand? Um, Coors, Miller, Bud. I know okay, Coors Miller and Bud. Okay. I know Coors yes. and Miller are under the same label these days. I don't think I could blind. I don't think I can blind taste them and tell you which one's which, but you can tell the difference. You can tell that they're not the same. What is that difference? Like, because we had a person that we knew quite well, and he was a staunch Coors drinker. But sure. if you were to Coors Light or Coors Banquet, Coors Light. The light beers, all three of them, I could definitely tell the difference. And I bet I could blind the lights. Oh. Yep. Bud Light is the most synthetic tasting to me. Um, Miller Light has almost no taste. Miller Light is like, is is the the seltzer water. Um, barely has a beer hint, like grain hint. Yep. Um, but if you just want to chug it, Miller Light, you can chug like no problem. Uh, Coors is somewhere in between to me. It's, um, if it's cold, it goes down pretty easy, but it has a little bit more of a mouthfeel than Miller. Okay. Um, yep. Gotcha. A little more body, grain body than Miller. Um, it's relatively clean tasting, but has a little more like sweet grain taste. Bud Light to me is just a very distinct, you know, uh, I guess like a, a very, very clear you know, plastic taste like like eating a plastic spoon or something. You know, just very obvious to me. This this might not be something that exists um, in the states, but it certainly exists in Australia. Does each state have its own loyalty to different beer brands? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, people here tend to drink Miller in the Chicago area, but you still get your Bud drinkers. I mean, you're not. I mean, it's pretty mixed. In Wisconsin, you're hard-pressed to find anyone drinking Budweiser. Um, they're all Miller drinkers or or one of the other, like, Schlitz or something like that. Um, but in the South, it's Bud all over the place. Colorado, I'm sure they drink Coors, you know. I don't know if – I would guess a lot of that Rocky Mountain area has a Coors uh, lean towards it. Um, but, yeah, Midwest is – um, upper Midwest is Miller, uh, lower Midwest and South is Bud. East Coast, who, who fucking knows? Narragansett, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Yingling, they're drinking Yingling out there. That's what they like. Where do you stand on y- 
Yinling. Jesus, it fucking stinks. I don't like it. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't. It gives me a horrible headache. I don't get the. I don't get the like. The like circle jerk over Yingling. Everybody getting all giddy for it to go to India when it caught to Indiana. Um, people were driving across the border to stock up on Yingling. I think it's nasty, and it gave me the worst hangover of my whole life. Um, I drank like two of them. Uh, it is not good. Um, and and the thing is, they they're um they're smaller than these other giant breweries, but their owners are big shitheads too, and and have you know supported the worst people on earth and you know, our dicks. So don't, don't act like Yingling is some sort of apologist for the, for the little guy or anything. So in Australia, it's, it used to be a lot more state-based WA. They had Swan, um, Cooper's and West End was a South Australian beer. Certainly Cooper's is still a thing in South Australia. Um, 4X is definitely a Queensland beer. If you see people drinking 4X, most likely they've either spent a lot of time in Queensland or they've come from Queensland. New South Wales used to be Tui's, but now we see a lot more um, of the Victorian beers that have made their way into New South Wales, and that's um, Carlton Draft being the most popular. And yeah, I know that one. Victoria Bitter. Carlton Draft, not a fan of that beer. That, to me, is in the same class as not the American light beers, but your Bud, your Miller, or even slightly lower. Maybe that's because that's the beer that's on tap everywhere and you it's not that you have bad examples, but you have you have poorly maintained taps at times and that that does affect your um colouring of that beer. Yeah, I'm 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 whatever. All this is it's crazy because I'm a hams person, everybody knows that. Um I do not believe that statement because um, there was a time in Vegas where you were going to get me a hams, but you decided to upgrade and you went away from hams. What did I get? I think you spent the extra 50 cents and went for Heineken. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't do that now. That was a, maybe it was a high life. Okay, that is an upgrade. I've done Heineken. I don't like Heineken. No. Yeah, I don't like Heineken. Heineken's nasty. Heineken's one of the worst things. Um, nasty, nasty stuff. Um, well, Tony, um, I think it's time to pack this one in. Uh, I have a tiny can of stout to be drunk now. Oh, beer review time. Hit that jingle. <laughs> It'll come with later shows, people. <laughs> uh, I actually have not opened the beer yet, so I can't review it, so it's oh. too late. Um, well, just but, give uh, us like... Hell, I can. You can crack it. That's never been a disaster on a podcast before. Everybody likes when I do that. Um, so when we're talking stout, are we talking like a English stout? This is a sweet stout, sweet right stout. Here, yeah. Um, this is called Dolce A Decorum, and it is an imperial stout with vanilla beans. And uh, take a quick uh, swig here. It's extremely sweet, um, but it does taste like vanilla ice cream. So. If you like really sweet beer and you want to drink it, well, I'm not going to drink this whole eight ounce can because goddamn, that is sweet. But um, <laughs> I'm going to go down and give the other four ounces to my wife, and um, we'll share it. And it's nice for four ounces. So, so um, if not- you like vanilla, it tastes a lot of vanilla. <laughs> it's a lot of vanilla. So it's good. My hands are sticky as shit. Just like getting a drop of this on my hand. Um, yeah, sure. I don't know. Cook it. Uh, pour it over some ice cream. Yeah, that's not bad. 
put a scoop ice cream into it. Just, just don't, you don't do it, Tony. You got, you have sugar, you got sugar <laughs> issues. We don't need you doing that. This fits firmly into the taste of American craft beer right now. It's right up there with like the, just pastry and mead and all that other sweet stuff. We're, we're drinking, you know, we're drinking three ounces of liquid and it's 900 calories, you know, so <laughs> we're kind of in the, this is where we're at. Fair enough. So nothing outstanding, but not terrible. Yeah, give it a shot. Honestly, I think it's good. Okay. Um, and I think it'll get better with like another couple of weeks. So I wouldn't I wouldn't uh I wouldn't write it down. Saint Errant, Dolce, Decorum, Imperial Stout with vanilla beans. If you see it, it comes in these cute little eight ounce cans. Um little stubby cans that are like half the height of a normal sixteen ounce can. Or what we would consider a normal can. AKA a normal can. How many mils yep. in that sucker do you know? Eight ounces, it would be uh Whatever, two hundred fifty, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that is a tiny can. Yeah, two thirty six. Yeah, it's a little. I'll take a picture of it and send it to you. That is. I'll put it on the Instagram, and you can check us out on Instagram. By the way, gang, did you know that Tony? I did. I did. I, I have subscribed. You go oh, good, and you should do it too. It's a beer engine pod. Uh, you can look at uh, our photos. Um, Depending on when you're listening to this, I recently posted a photo of a delicious beer I had the other day, a Two-Hearted Ale by Bells, uh, a classic uh, IPA, um, nice non-hazy IPA that is still drinking good and actually has some shelf stability, which is amazing. Um, and I've been testing out, uh, you know, I'm going to give a shout out to potential advertisers. I'm working on it. All right. So, you know, give it a look and Excellent. see if you see if you like what you see. And of course, um, if you're listening to uh, this show, give us a rate in iTunes. It helps us out. It means maybe someday somebody else will stumble upon this podcast and we can have two listeners. That'd be great. That'd be great. Yep. So subscribe in iTunes if that's where you listen or subscribe in Overcast or Pocketcast or wherever you listen, rate and subscribe. And you can give me a follow on Untapped. I'm a Griff AD, uh, so give me a give me a shout up on there, and I can uh, and you can ask me why I rate everything above a four. It's because I'm lazy. That's why I don't want to think about it. Fair enough. Tony, can I give a teaser any, for the next episode? Yes, let's do it. Oh my god, I have completed 100, percent including the bonus episode of Tiger King. Oh my god. All right, so more Tiger King. Um, I have I have um, I have points to make about a show called The Final Table. Oh, yes, I have watched that over. I I will hold my opinions. I will hold my opinions to the next show. All right, so next week we're talking about TV shows, quarantine TV shows. Um, I think Final Table was far sillier than Tiger King, so. <laughs> Uh, I will be bitching about that, and uh, Tony will be going on about Joe Exotic, so get excited about that. And Cooking um, with Cannabis, if you haven't watched that on Netflix. Check it out. Going to have to get into that. Uh, cool. So another another banger, Tony. Um, any, any parting gifts or parting words for our uh, audience? I have nothing, like literally nothing, other than the fact our weather's turned to shit. It's going to be 12 degrees today, which is like 85 Fahrenheit. I don't know. I don't know how to do the conversion. It's not too bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, uh, 
thanks for listening. Do all that stuff we just said. Drink some more pastry stout, and uh, we'll be back next week. Later on, gang. Turns out it's 54 degrees. Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs>